Hope you've enjoyed our brief but glorious summer season. Out here on the left coast, we've had an unusually hot and somewhat humid summer, making me exceedingly grateful that I chose to install central air when I moved into my home. By the time you read this, I will be on the other coast, visiting family and friends in Montreal and Toronto after helping my daughter get settled in the room and residence that will be her home for the next few months. I officially started my sabbatical on August 1st. What I've noticed thus far is how challenging it can be to live an unstructured life, to do what I feel like doing rather than what I should be doing, to focus on being rather than doing, to be unproductive rather than checking things off the ever-expanding to-do list. One of the final tasks on that list was to select the best of Reflections on the Road to Respect posts for the fall distribution dates. This month, I am sharing the very first e-news article I wrote back in March 2006. What struck me upon rereading this post was how consistent my core message has remained over the years. I was somewhat surprised as I had thought that my earlier posts might no longer be relevant. For me, the publication of Road to Respect in 2009 marks the major turning point or shift in my business. That was when I really started focusing and talking about values and cultures. Or so I thought. In fact, what I've discovered is that the themes developed in Road to Respect, Path to Profit, which was published in 2009, are evident in this first post. What do you think? Please let us know if you share my opinion. Oh, FYI, the Honda decision that's referred to in this post was appealed and the damages award was reduced by the appeals court. Welcome to the first edition of my quarterly newsletter. My interest in sending out this newsletter is not to add more clutter to your already full inbox, add more stuff to your to-do list, and increase your stress level. Rather, this is an opportunity for me to connect with clients and colleagues and to share perspectives on issues related to my business. I trust they will be of value and of interest to you. Please take a moment to read through my newsletter. I kept it brief so that it should only take you a moment, maybe two, if you never made it to that speed reading course. If you would prefer not to receive my newsletter, please click on unsubscribe. Otherwise, I'll be in touch again in a few months. Respect, Dignity, and Disability Management in the Workplace You may be familiar with the 2005 Honda decision, where an employee that was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome was fired for insubordination due to his refusal to submit to a medical assessment from the company specialist. What distinguishes this decision from many others was the amount of the damages award, $500,000 in punitive damages the highest ever awarded by a Canadian court in an employment case. The case reminded me of a time when I used to write attendance policy manuals. I would put in sample scripts for the managers to use as guidelines for conducting employee interviews relating to the problematic attendance. To my dismay, I found out that some managers were conducting interviews with the script in hand, reading it verbatim and following it with little, if any, regard for what the employee they were dealing with was saying. I had intended the script as a guide, not a formula. The Honda decision demonstrates for me what often goes so very wrong in managing these types of challenging cases in the workplace. 
and there is no doubt that managing employees with chronic absenteeism is challenging. It is time-consuming and complex, particularly when dealing with absenteeism related to a disability, including disabilities related to addiction and some of the, quote, invisible, end quote, disabilities like chronic fatigue syndrome, which was what Mr. Kays, the employee in the Honda decision, suffered from. New syndromes seem to be cropping up every day, and the list of disabilities we have to accommodate is growing with no end in sight. As was the case at Honda, the perspective organizations usually employ in designing a disability management system is the familiar labor paradigm of managing unacceptable employee behavior in the workplace. While employee attendance is considered to be non-culpable behavior, which demands an approach which is not punitive, not worthy of discipline, this perspective is one that encourages us to approach disability as an issue of managing unacceptable or problematic behavior in the workplace. This paradigm encourages us to view employees with disabilities as problems, rather than as employees who, in many cases, are in fact long-term and loyal employees with good work records that are experiencing a medically recognized problem that is affecting their ability to be at work. In many cases, they may also be suffering from the psychological effects of learning to deal with the life-altering effects of chronic disease or disability. This, quote, fix-the-problem approach to managing disabilities encourages conflict, as was the case at Honda. We slot the problem into the system. We become positional. We, hear, we adhere rigidly to our system. When the problem does not cooperate with our attempts to manage their unacceptable behavior, it just reinforces our ideas about them as a problem. And who needs more problems in the workplace? In the attendance management paradigm, we want sick employees to be sick less so that they will be able to be at work, doing the jobs for which they were hired. However, the obligation to accommodate employees with disabilities arises not from labor law, but from human rights law. The human rights law paradigm flows from the notion that all human beings are deserving of respectful and dignified treatment and is interpreted through our Canadian Legal Foundation of Equality of Outcome and Accommodation of Difference. Employees have a right to be accommodated and employers are obligated to accept and respect that. These are the principles that should be guiding us in designing systems to manage employees with disabilities in the workplace. This requires us to discard the old labor paradigm and shift to a human rights paradigm. We need to be asking different questions when we start to think about designing systems for managing and accommodating employees with disabilities in our workplace. Systems that will encourage dialogue, development of trust, and reasonable outcomes for both employees and employers. Some things to consider are 1. What is the organization's philosophy with respect to promoting respectful and dignified treatment for employees and to creating a respectful work environment? How do these principles fit with the organization's mission statement and its core values? Has the organization thought about how managing disabilities fits with the organization's mission statement and core values? And if it has, how has this concept been communicated in the organization? Is the organization following its stated values or just paying lip service to them? Has the organization designed a disability and attendance management program and if so, who designed it? How is it structured? 
Is it fair, flexible, and reasonable, or is it rigid and punitive? Does it encourage consideration of the distinct and unique issues of each employee that must access the system, or does it discourage dialogue, discourse, and collaboration in favor of uniform, uh, uniformed adherence to the program steps? If the organization is unionized, what thought has been given to the role the union plays in disability management? What qualifications is the organization looking for when selecting individuals to deal with the complex issues of disability management? What training is being provided for these employees? Do they understand human rights law and how to apply human rights laws and how to apply them appropriately on a case-by-case basis? Do they have the necessary communication and conflict resolution skills, the capacity for empathy, the ability to be responsive and flexible based upon the particularities of each individual situation? What is being communicated to these individuals about the organizational philosophy with respect to managing disabilities? Is the organization monitoring what is going on with case management? Are there mechanisms in place to measure how well the system is working? Is the organization taking proactive steps to find out how employees with disabilities are being dealt with, or just waiting for a complaint to arise to find out that there may be a problem? The Honda decision highlights the importance of having a well-thought-out approach to the ever-increasingly complex issue of managing disability in the workplace, an approach based upon human rights principles as opposed to labor and employment doctrine. Complaints of discrimination on the basis of disability now outnumber all other complaints at the BC Human Rights Tribunal, as well as in other jurisdictions, overtaking sexual and racial harassment complaints. Damages in these complaints are rising, as the Honda case so clearly illustrates. The case law is evolving and demands that employers respond accordingly. Yes, managing disabilities in the workplace can be like wading into a pool of murky water. But what choice does an employer really have? As Bob Dylan wrote, quote, you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone, because the times, they are a-changing, end quote. Accommodating disability in the workplace is the law. There is no way to evade it. Sure, it may appear to be creating all kinds of problems, headaches, and increased costs for the business. However, there is not much point in focusing on that unless it is to learn from the experience in order to figure out a better way. In the Honda case, a 14-year employee, the, quote, computer guru, end quote, in the quality engineering department, ended up on a disability pension pursuant to the Canada Pension Plan after developing post-traumatic stress disorder due to, quote, callous and insensitive treatment, end quote, by his employer. Honda lost a valuable employee and ended up with a $500,000 damage award and mounting legal costs. The decision is being appealed. Is this a desired outcome for either the employee or the employer? Human rights law is relatively new law and is, in, and is continuing to evolve. It demands a new approach, a new way of thinking, a different paradigm, a creative approach, thinking outside the box. Conflict and litigation are not the answer. Ultimately, we have to find a respectful, effective, and balanced way to manage disability that promotes both the human dignity of the individuals that have the right to accommodation, as well as the legitimate interests of business to get work done productively and profitably. 
effective disability management systems are a core component of organizational success for companies that want to grow and prosper in today's business environment.